Hello everyone and welcome to episode 403 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Red Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? Hey Seth, good morning, doing well, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty wonderfully, been playing some magic this morning, excited to talk some magic now, but before we get into all that, we got another co-host in Krim, Krim, how's the move going? I know you're uh, in a busy, busy time moving stuff around, how are things? The move is as stressful as all moving is, but at least I finally secured a place, so it feels kind of good. That's a victory. That's a big victory. At least you got to you know where you're going to be now. So you, you get through yeah. the moving and then, yeah, that's got to feel good. So cool. So anyway, today we got some interesting topics. We're starting with new standard. Uh, we haven't got to play a ton since the bannings just went into effect on Magic Arena, but some early thoughts on post-banning standard. Wanted to talk about some secret layer drops. There's always a million secret layer drops. Uh, some Magic Online news with a shift over to Daybreak Games. And there was this article from Mark Rosewater almost a decade ago about 20 things that were going to kill Magic. We wanted to kind of reflect on that and maybe update a little bit with some more recent stuff to add to the list and kind of talk about that a little bit. So that is the overview for today. Before we get into it, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your Magic cards. If you're tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, well, Card Conduit lets you skip all the typing, all the time, all the work that it takes. With their curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to put in a little effort on your end, you can use their sorted service where you list and sort your cards ahead of time and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which option you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once the order is processed. And right now, you can even get another 10% off if you head over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's Let's talk some standards. So the big news of last week was the bannings. Meug Massacre banned in standard. Uh, Yarian also in modern. Want to talk a little bit about standard, though. It took a few days for some reason for the bannings to actually go into effect on Magic Arena. They just went up Thursday. So we haven't got to play a ton. We don't really have many tournament results. I think there's one standard league that has been posted, which is pretty sketchy results because of how they publish the data. But what are your first impressions of standard without the meat hook massacre i did a good i, I did a, 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 a ch i chipped away at standard for a little bit for uh like about a good amount of my day the other day and uh wow maybe it is a lot better uh than i thought it would be for for like aggro decks because i played naya tokens played against a mono black deck a good amount of times and they just could not – they played a bunch of one-for-ones, and it did not matter. Like, like that w that's great. You know, you played this Lily. You made me sack a token. Uh, like, I I was able to go super wide. Cabaretti Charm popped off. Ginny Faye popped off. Like, oh, my God. I I was dunking. I, I went I, – I started at, like, bottom of plat and went right into diamond, not dropping a game. Nice. I mean, what uh, what do you think, Richard? Have you gotten any standard in the last couple of days? <laughs> I've played four matches of my <laughs> league. Uh, it looks kind of the same to me. Um, so I, I made this comment last podcast. People thought I was being sensationalist, but I I literally haven't seen a Liliana in weeks. Like the only <laughs> people that play it is Mono Black. Mono Black is actually not that popular. Usually the 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 tricolor variants. Right, like black is popular, but it's not mono black, right? But anyway, you see like John Windgrace, right? Exactly, John Windgrace. You see Esper Rafine, or you see Rakdos more, and they typically don't play Lilianas. So I haven't seen a Liliana. Still haven't seen a Liliana. <laughs> I do see a lot more white aggro. And by the way, four game sample size or four match sample size, like white based aggro. Uh, people decided they're not gonna get wrath, um, but it looks the same to me like i don't know they just play some stuff into a wandering emperor into an owl and, and try to kill you uh i haven't seen much difference i don't know um I, really maybe i'll maybe I, i'll play a black deck <laughs> maybe yeah, i should see play how black different deck it see, yeah <laughs> see how different it is. but they're only playing two meatballs like normally right so i don't know but anyway but path to peril will make people cry if you try to go wide with tokens and people sideboard that's that's what I'm saying though. Like, okay, well, farewell. That's a different story. But <laughs> people try to pat the peril to me, uh, and then I play. I had King Darian, 
so i just protection yeah so like it was like cool i'll i'll keep my stuff alive and i and until then i have this anthem and if you don't answer this now i'm gonna just keep making bodies and whatever the five mana hideaway like gala greeters was absurd gala greeters jenny fey uh, uh, all this stuff, and then it, it just—I was going nuts on the board, and most of the time, I didn't even get to the point where I could cast the five-drop stowaway card because people were already dead. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a—that's a good thing. I, uh, go ahead, Richard. The the card I was trying to make work is uh, the the Knight of Benalia, whatever. I don't know what it's called. The, ben, uh, the Benalia the thing, two the two mana, two yeah. two two. That's indestructible. Yeah. So, you know, you get totally wrecked by Meatball, right? But otherwise, it's, like, unbeatable. And Soul Transfer kills it, but now that people don't have Meat Hook Massacre to uh, basically trigger the Soul Transfer, I feel they'll play less Soul Transfers. Yep. So I've been trying to get the thing to work. Mm-hmm. I don't know how successful it's been, but have- uh, that, that that is some tech that could work because Indestructible now means something because you don't have Meatballs yeah. killing everything. So you played four matches, Richard. How many times did you enlist it? I got to know. Ever? <laughs> what, did, it, did it happen a single time? <laughs> it, so I'll tell you this. It, it enlists with wedding announcement tokens, right? Uh, but it doesn't enlist that often, right? Yeah. Usually what, what you do with it is you just plop it and then you board wipe and you, you make it live through the board wipe and then you start beating them down. So it's like uh, a, a season hollow blade or something for the most part. Yeah. Like some of those past really drops. working for that Adanto Vanguard. <laughs> it's an Adanto Vanguard essentially, right? And then once in a blue moon, you you actually enlist it. Uh, but usually, because you can't use non-attacking creatures, like usually you just attack with every creature, right? But uh, yeah, or if you want to yeah. somehow make the token from wedding announcement, you would enlist. But yeah, that I thought that card was kind of cracked because I was testing a little bit with like so I played pretty much anything that was low to the ground. In the in the last couple days or whatever that that the banning has happened, and that card is really good with anointed uh uh processor pro- processor the the three drop <laughs> peacekeeper oh yeah. yeah same thing that thing is really good uh, with those two cards that that's a swat like that's such a good curve that two drop into anointed uh, peacekeeper and uh yeah like I don't know I mean do you not think that like I. I Again, I think the fact that opponents, the black decks that aren't gaining life now, all the damage that you do in the early game isn't nullified anymore Um, because the meat hook just dunks you. After you did all this damage, they gain all the life back, and it felt miserable every time you played a threat because they would gain the life back if they killed it. Uh, But if you don't do anything, well, you're dead anyways. So, like, yeah, like, it felt so much like i i had like such a better chance like even a sweeper happening didn't mean that i lost because i could just refill again yeah i've i'm kind of aggro player (laughs) (laughs) what world are we in (laughs) i I had to try it i had to try it i'm kind of i was just an aggro guy the whole time (laughs) you never knew it next next step mono green mono green okay let's he's gonna come into the next podcast with the green hair no s for hair anymore yet (laughs) A forest foam finger, yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, what's up? Forest number one. Forest number one. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I haven't got to play a ton. I've probably played five or maybe ten matches between streams and stuff in the last day. On one hand, you still see a lot of black decks. Like, it's not like the yeah. black decks are gone. You still play against Jund and Esper, and uh, the Rotodrobic blue, uh, white black deck shows up sometimes. So that's still a very popular color. But I have played against way more aggro than in the past. Like, in the past, I would never see. I was playing like 75% black decks, and then just fringe, like, control decks or mono blue Delver decks were the rest of the matchups. I actually play against Gruul sometimes, mono red a little bit, mono white is making a comeback. So I think. On one hand, it's not like the Bannings got rid of the black decks or dethroned them as very good decks in standard, but it does feel like it worked in the sense that it does open up room for these aggro decks like Crim's Token deck or other aggro decks to compete, which is maybe the best case scenario. Like if you're someone who, uh, you know, at rotation built your Liliana, Shieldred, Meat Hook, Massacre deck, your deck's probably still fine. It's not as good as it was before, but it's not like you can't play it and you just got wrecked by the banning. But at the same time, if you want a little bit more diversity in the meta, hopefully we're going to get that as well. So I feel like maybe the banning really actually kind of like super early results, but kind of threaded the needle to doing exactly what we want, where people don't get too hurt by their deck getting banned, but also freeing up the metagame a little bit. And I think 
the standard league results are so bad on Magic Online because they publish deck lists in such a weird way. It's not really representative because each deck will only get published one time. But looking at those results, there's a lot more white than black actually there's some esper there's a five color deck but there's multiple like mono white decks mono white mid-range the invoke justice deck are we heading into a world where uh like richard villain standard where mono white is like the best thing going you think richard i i think it's the metagame so prior to this moto has always been like white dominated and gruel dominated plus rafine and jund like you saw so much mono white, and I think the so I think the gruel thing is people trying to grind for trophies, uh, because like it's the fastest way to like finish matches, and the deck is like kind of respectable, and it's uh, cheap. but the trophy leaders, the trophy leaders are like playing white white decks, right? Like they've <laughs> always been playing invoke justice, uh, like not 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 like Rafine white decks. I mean like actual white decks, right? Like either Azorius or mono white or something like that, right? I think, I don't know, something like Moto players, they're like, they're built different or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, we don't see Liliana's. I swear to God, like, no one plays Liliana. Like, they, they're all ready for the Lilies. And, the, like, everyone's ready for getting meatballed. So they don't play things to get meatballed, right? Like, I don't know what's happening at Arena. We're like, I'm just not going to get meatballed. So, like, the yeah. meta, like, didn't really change on Moto too much. And I think we're just in a different meta. I think the arena and moto meta is different because white's always been a, a big deal on, on I, moto. I, and I just want you all to like take a second to think about anybody on the outside listening right now in the context of everything. They've just heard us talk about a meatball for like ten, <laughs> the like, like, like they're like, what is the, what is going on? They're talking about like meatballs and magic. What's going on here? <laughs> I. I also think that it's going to take longer for the arena meta to develop probably just because of how hard it is to shift deck. So if you're someone who like had rotation a month ago, free to played your way into a black deck and then they ban meat hook, you're probably still going to make do with a black deck without meat hook for the time being, because it's just not that easy unless you're spending money to be like, I'll just be gruel now or I'll just be mono white now because it's a lot of wild cards. So I think that might also explain how the moto meta can maybe shift quicker than the arena meta if that makes any amount of sense at least on like the the ladder level on arena so anyway <laughs> I, are we oh go ahead grim the the one last thing before heading into the next thing is just i played against a rakdo sacrifice deck and it is very sad it is very <laughs> oh, sad without yeah. the meat you can't play that without meatball yeah that yeah. was literally I, so th that that's that, uh, that deck was like destroying moto challenges it was actually up and rising on moto right and people on arena didn't pick it up uh but that deck has to be dead right like the that they would just meatball for two mana like zero yeah. x zero <laughs> yeah. and just like ping people off and there's no replacement you can't play another sweeper like there's nothing to replace that card right the deck has to be dead right it it, it was dead in the water it, i feel like they were like because that was on arena they felt like the kind of situation that seth just mentioned uh, like, uh, like, oh, well, I already invested my wild cards into this deck, so I'm just going to keep playing it without it. Well, just craft some shouldrens, throw them in, and you got to just play Rakdos well, mid-range. You're good. <laughs> they they already had that, you see? So they they had the shielders. And, and okay, well, for me, I don't think I cared. I outlife gained shieldred with Gala Greeters. <laughs> like, like, and, and, uh, you, and also, fool, haha, I do not believe in card advantage. I also never drew more than one card a turn. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I just felt it was like the most sad deck ever. I could hear the sad violin playing as they were just playing their deck out. Yeah, that deck. That's the one deck that really got wrecked, I think. I think that deck yeah. went from, like, borderline tier one to just, like, kind of unplayable without me. There's no backup Blood Artist. It's not like you can just replace it with another Blood Artist. There's just yeah. not an option there. So, last word on Standard. Do you think the bannings improve the format? Like, Standard up or down based on Meat Hook being gone with our super early impressions? So far for me, I think it's up. Because this looks like a standard now where all three archetypes, except for combo, because, I mean, combo, you know, come on now. Uh, like, yeah, it's standard, right? Like, you don't really expect there to be a combo. And usually when there is, it wasn't meant to be there. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, we have mid-range, we have aggro, we have control, you know, we have a tempo. You know, we have all these archetypes right now. I know standard has been, like, fatigued because of the fact that, like, it's on arena now. And so that's, like, all people get to play. But this is 
one of the better standards we've had in a long time. Uh, I, I've been enjoying standard a lot since Kamigawa. Uh, but now this feels like a very, very good. I mean, I love standard with meat hook, but that's because I'm a mid range guy. Um, so, but now, dude, it feels like the format's wide open. So I love it. I'd like to go as far as say, uh, so prior to the bandings, this was the best standard ever. Maybe I would I would like make an argument for that, and I think this banning definitely doesn't make the format worse. I think it's either a side grade, which everyone semi rotates their deck, but not really, or an upgrade. Right? It's to be to be determined, right? But I don't think the card was too important, such that the the meta game would now be out of whack and like everything's destroyed. So uh, either a nice little shake up or an upgrade, and I still think like this is like the best standard, like one of the best standards. In recent years, and I think even ever, maybe. Uh, but this may be the mid-range Jun player in me <laughs> speaking. But every decision matters. And you play games of magic. You don't auto-lose because like some deck shows up across from you. you know, yeah. unless, <laughs> unless you're playing Sacrifice and the your meatballs, right? But <laughs> yeah. like, I'm playing actual magic. And I don't play magic in any other format. Commander, modern, anything. It's yeah. all like... You build a deck, you die roll literally on the matchup, and then you die roll for who wins the coin flip, and then like that's the match, right? And maybe one decision matters. Whereas like, you know, every standard match I lose, like probably something I could have done different, right? Maybe there's that one odd mana screw game, but in general, we actually play magic. It's like limited almost, right? Like every game of limited you actually play. Uh and, and this one is pretty close. I don't know if I'd go as far to say best standard ever, but I definitely think this is one of the best standards we've had in quite a while. And I think it got better. Like, I think the Mannings worked out absolutely perfectly. The The decks are still playable that used to play Meat Hook Massacre, and we're seeing new stuff. So a great time to play standard. If anything, it's just sad that standard isn't what it used to be outside of arena like if we had this standard a few years ago when there were gps and thousands of people it would be yeah. very hyped but now like standard just doesn't get the uh, it's not as big of a part of the conversation as it was a few years ago and this standard is so good that it it deserves more credit for how good it is and wizards deserves more credit for actually kind of nailing it with this standard after we had some rough patches over the past few years so play more standard before you yeah, before getting yelled at for being a, a wizard shell, I do. I, I seriously cannot state this enough. Yeah, standard has been really good in for quite like since quite some time ago. Like this is an amazing standard. Uh, just again, probably something we see a lot and all the time now. So of course people are a little burnt out on it. That's that's probably just it, right? Like it's just the only thing people see because arena is probably like the most streamed thing. Although, you know, there's, of course, Moto content on YouTube, but, like, when it comes to live stuff, it's mostly Arena that you're seeing. So, I don't know. Uh, like, Standard's really good. Yeah, play more Standard. Well, let's keep moving on. Uh, next topic, it's a Secret Lair alert time. We have our October Secret Lair Super Drop. They happen all the time. Richard, what's coming in the October edition of Secret Lair Drop? Yeah, Richard, what's oh God, coming in? Like there's a million secret layers, okay? We're going to try to blaze <laughs> through them. Uh, Post Malone secret layer. Who would have saw this coming 10 years ago? Uh, <laughs> backstage pass. So these are like Post Malone names with alternate uh, Magic the Gathering uh, names. So, for example, Post Son of Rich is Kirik, Son of Yagmoth. Post Sigil is Lashrak Sigil. Post Citadel is Bolus's Citadel. And then Jet Medallion. Uh, there's also a land... Secret layer uh, with, the, with the basics <laughs> in it. Uh, Warhammer. We have three secret layers. We have uh, orcs with aggravated assault. Uh, Davulcha, aka Sky Sovereign, console flagship. Orc Commando, aka Merciless Executioner. Makari, the Lucky Grot, uh, which is Krenko. Uh, Tin Street Kingpin. Gaz, cool prophet of Wah, which is Sergo Hell Smasher. Uh, so that's orcs. We have Age of Sigmar. Archaea and the Everchosen is Najila. Galmaraz is locked in Warhammer. Blind Obedience. Uh, Neve Blacktillen is Denitha. Uh, Capuchin Paragon. Star Drake uh, is Scourge of Throne. Uh, so that's that's Age of Sigmar. And then we have Blood Bowl. Perfect yes. Defense is Defense of the Heart. The Ball, which is Felwar Stone. Touchdown. Approach of the second son. <laughs> Reroll is rewind. 
both down is bone splinters and throw teammate was fling. Yeah, can, I don't know. What's going can, on in Warhammer and football? But okay. Can, uh, <laughs> and then we have if looks could kill. Uh, this is uh, yes. the, the Jack Hughes secret leader, I think. Azami, uh, mm-hmm. Lady of Scrolls, Liliana of the Dark Realms, Reflector Mage, and Adaptive Automaton. And then uh, here's what Kim's been waiting for. The Junji Ito secret lair coming in Japanese and English versions. Thoughtseize, yeah! Doomsday, Carrion Feeder, Playgrafter. Yes. And then Yoji Shinkawa, Shinkawa. secret lair. Metal yes! Gear Solid. Tezzeret yes! the Seeker, Solemn. Skull Clamp, Phyrexian Metamorph. Uh, Weirdest Pets in the Multiverse is another secret layer. Lab Maniac, Stitcher Supply, Beast Whisperer, Vizier of the Menagerie, and Wood Elves. And then uh, two more secret layers. We're almost done, guys. The Space Beyond the Stars, which is a prison in the moon, Stasis, Prismatic Omen, Wheel of Sun and Moon, and finally, Totally Spaced Out, Strip Mine, Ash Baron's Fabled Passage, Command Beacon. Uh, so if you bought all these secret layers, I don't know how much this would be, but there's a lot of secret layers they decided to drop at once. Yes, they did. And let me tell you, this drop is amazing. We're talking, first off, I, I, I love the Post Malone basics. They're just hilarious to me. Um, and, and now, Seth... You can get, you can build your Buffalo Bills secret, your, your commander deck. You have, if we want, I don't know how we would do it. If we, if we all built a, a, a commander clash episode where we built a deck based on our favorite football teams, we now could do it, right? It, the flavor in that touchdown, you know, the game seven from approach, the ball is hilarious just because why not? But most importantly, the Junji Ito secret layer. This has been this is just oh it is visually so pleasing as someone who loves uh junji ito's art and you know i have his, i just got back from the japanese bookstore uh and then i picked up a, uh, he has this hardcover collection of all of his stories and i just picked up another one uh i'm a huge fan of this thought seeds i love the carrion feeder i love the play crafter i love this doomsday this is the perfect for like i God, this this was beautiful. I don't. I, I tweeted this and I'll say it again. I don't know if the person that worked on this that made this happen at Wizards is listening, but you you get all my uh, you get my undying love. What like this is amazing. It looks spooky as hell. It looks amazing. That thought seizes everything I could ever want in a thought seize. And then I was talking to Richard about it. The Yoji Shinkawa. You might know that name. Uh, they did the Umazawa special box topper, but they also did the artwork for Metal Gear Solid. And my God, does this look awesome? The Metamorph, the Skull Clamp, the Solemn, the, I mean, the Tez, these look so good. I am in love with these. And then, yes, the Spaced Out Lands, I'm hoping the foiling is a lot like the Unfinity foiling. But I think that's uh, the the gimmick of it that. Is, yeah, it's, 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 okay. it's, it's the galaxy. No, 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 no. Yeah. But but I'm also talking about like quality wise because I don't know why it would be different, but I I'm hoping it is because the galaxy foiling was actually pretty good. I I saw one of the uh the the shock lands, uh. So I I really like the galaxy foiling. They're gorgeous in person. If you haven't seen them yet, holy hell. I don't understand the football thing is there is there's i don't know warhammer like is that a <laughs> thing in warhammer is that like part of the warhammer universe that that's the one that confuses me the most so i'm 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 a noob i know nothing about warhammer other than like what friends have told me but i believe like like how final fantasy has blitzball like all oh, these yeah. every game always has like a mini game within it right uh, like 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 the witcher had gwent or whatever or maybe i forgot what game had gwent i think it was the witcher uh but like i believe it's like a mini game within it but i'm not 100 percent sure i see okay that that makes more sense i mean the secret layers in general looks sweet i actually i don't know 
the artist that y'all were so hyped about with the uh, the Junji Metal Ito Gear Solid Metal what's what's Metal Gear Solid? Oh um, my god! No, I Junji, I know I know what it is. But the Junji Ito one is really sweet, and the uh, the other one, the artifact one with the solemn, uh, is that the Metal no, Gear yeah. Solid artist? Yeah, those, yeah, yeah. Those two yeah, that's really, Metal Gear Solid. Those two really stand out. Like those are the two that I think are are the biggest winners out of this one. I don't know. What do you think of the Post Malone one? That one's getting a lot <laughs> so of promotion, weird. but to me, it seems. I mean, I, I'm fine if that's your jam. Like, go for it. But to me, it's like kind of weird. But <laughs> I, I, I think the Post Malone one is 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 funny and it's sweet. Uh, just because, like, dude, imagine like, oh, I play, uh, uh, uh I don't know. Zer the Enchanter. Well, okay, cool. I'm gonna beat you with post, <laughs> posty. Like I'm just gonna get in there. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm about to pop off with post and his citadel. Like it's funny. It's super sweet. I, I'm I all it'd be about. Funnier this. if it was actually. Is it funny? Like, it's it's kind of like post inserted into the magic universe, which is yeah. Like, weird, but like, will post Malone fans buy this if they don't play magic? Like, what if they just like went into yes. songs or whatever? Like more like. Yes. Him, as opposed to him inserted into magic, but I don't know. Post has the sweetest fans, and I, I because like I mean, when when we like just like you'll like, like a lot of things you'll notice is when it comes to uh, uh, music artists, me included, right? If like a band like My Chemical Romance, if My Chemical Romance dropped toothbrushes, I'd buy it. I don't I don't <laughs> care what it is, I'd buy it. Like <laughs> like like, like, it, like you're, <laughs> and I I there's like a lot of things I've noticed is like when you're a part of a fandom and musically like most people will back you no matter what it is, as long as they love you enough. And again, I will buy like, Oh, my chemical romance just put out a, a an air freshener. I don't know what the scent is. The inside of a hearse, whatever <laughs> I want it. <laughs> like I want it. Give me that. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe I, I buy fans music and like t-shirts, but I don't know if I buy a secret layer dropper and air freshener personally. <laughs> I don't know but, what your favorite band is, but like it, like, is it, is it like Seth, what is your favorite band? Oh, uh, I don't know. On the spot, I, I off the top of, of your okay. head. I mean, probably velvet underground overall. So go, go okay. with velvet underground. I mean, I guess it, it could depend on the band because like velvet underground, when that came out, they're, they're just very much about like, you know, the music, which is very good. But then there's, there's like, like, you know, bands that build like kind of like not just music. They have like this whole world you can get into with it. And I that's... think that's what makes it fun. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So it, it, it's a little more like interactive and a, a thing for itself. And I think Mike Hem did that and like other bands would do that too. So I don't know when you get, when you get into it enough, like they, I buy, I'll buy whatever my favorite band wants to put out there, I guess. God, I feel like Seth's like, is, is that the rock and roll the kids are talking about? <laughs> like, like, what? What are you guys even talking about? Velvet Underground. Is that a cupcake? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, so which of these secret layer drafts would you all actually buy? What's uh, what's I, I know, Cram, you buy them all every time, I think. Or most of them. I don't. You, you love I don't. Promos. Oh. I just, okay. I pick and pull. I pick and pull. I don't buy the whole drop anymore because not there's you're right there are a lot and i understand that so i just don't like if you could probably figure out i don't care about for mostly the green ones yeah. um i'll probably get the the you know the a few of the warhammer ones but i'm definitely getting the jinji ito and the the yoshi shinkawa yoji shinkawa one is so is so good uh again like the they chose the best cards too artifacts um he's like the artwork within metal gear comes to life here so, what about you, Richard? Do I want to pay thirty dollars for a solemn? That's that's what I that's what I'm asking myself. I don't. You getting a Tez Phyrexian? Trash. Who plays Tezzeret? Yeah. Uh, okay. Wait, what? It's my favorite Skull Clamp art. I think Skull Clamp usually has bad art, and the art on the Skull Clamp is really good. It has super <sighs> cyberpunky vibes. Like, could oh, you imagine God. if this was like? Soul ring, dousing daggers, solemn. Like, oh, yeah, the so Richard, good. the Richard drop. I mean, solemn is like, I only play solemn here. I think solemn's the cheapest card in that drop, too, if you go by old prices. So maybe you're better off just like snagging one from Card Kingdom or something. But is it, won't that be the most popular card? Though? Like, everyone plays a solemn. Like, I don't know, solemn, uh, too slow don't. for 2022. <laughs> that's, that's a card that's universally acceptable here, right? Yeah, All the other cards are very specific. That's I would true. say the Metamorph, right? Like, isn't Metamorph more... Like, dude, Metamorph is so good. How is that not played the most it, played? It I feel like but you that's... you have to play blue. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. The perfect. color identity does <laughs> does hurt a little bit. That's oh. it though. I mean, in all honesty, I probably won't get any of them. Although I do like many of them. The Junji Ito one's really good. The Yoji Shinkawa one is really sweet. And then the lands are sweet. Strip Mine, Fabled Passage, yeah. Man Beacon, Ash Baron, the Galaxy Foil. You don't want that. That really impressed me. The Galaxy Floyd kind of blew me away when I started seeing people post videos of their Infinity stuff. It looks even better than I than I would have expected it to. So that one's pretty appealing. And then I'm surprised they put Stasis in there. The Stasis one also, I kind of want the Stasis just to, I don't know what I'd ever do with it, but <laughs> just to say I have it. <laughs> the 40K ones aren't for me. Those aren't, I mean, it's just, I don't know 40K, so it doesn't really appeal to me. And Post Malone's kind of the same. Like, I'm fine with it existing, but I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't think it's one that I would personally buy. Anyway. Those are those are the layer drops. We also have some Magic Online news. So we learned like a year ago that Wizards was transitioning Magic Online to Daybreak Games. Uh, and that transition is actually finally really happening. It's been in the works for like a year, they said. It's happening next week, I believe, October 17th, I want to say. Richard, what does this mean to all of us Magic Online players? Uh, they said some really shady things. Um, so... Okay, so redemption changes are coming. So that, that's important, right? So if you yep. redeem sets on Moto, um, basically they're going to redeem until they run out. Uh, and then so they're not going to be associated with Wizards anymore. So that kind of makes sense. And then they said the servers will go down and then they will come back up and most of your stuff should still be there. And they will disable organized play <laughs> for a week as things stabilize and it'll turn it back on. So you'll be able to play casual. Uh, but they, they they reassured us multiple times that we would maintain our collection, our tickets, our qualifier points, our treasure chests or whatever, uh, which is good. But it really concerns me that they keep assuring us that there will be there. <laughs> like, I don't know why <laughs> the servers are going offline and why there's this like really shady looking migration and then maybe our stuff is there and then it takes a week to turn back on stuff. Uh, I kind of expected Watsi to just hand over the keys of the servers to Daybreak and like maybe there's, you know, one, one downtime, but after that, I, I think we would look the same. But it sounds like this is actually a pretty... Um, involved migration so i'm a little worried about my collection <laughs> yeah, yeah <gotta laughs> i think i'm gonna take some screenshots of like yeah. how many tickets i have and stuff to to make sure if i have qps or whatever like use them up if i can before then but uh yeah re return little, all your your weird. loan orders before that just in case you don't want to be uh be on the hook oh for that. yeah that's right uh we don't know if they change things then the bots may not work right so depending on what they actually do yeah, I, I'm a little nervous about it just because I went through Moto upgrades in the past and they always seem to go horribly when they switch from like V2 to V3 or V1 to V2. Like, ugh, it always is like such, it, it's way more of a disaster than you would hope it was. And it takes a while and then, you know, everything breaks. You know more about this than I do, Richard. Like, is there a reason to migrate servers or is it just purely like an ownership thing? Like, is this just like showing there's even more of a split between Wizards and Magic Online at this point? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, the way they made it sound, because they were taking the whole team with them, right? So it's I thought they were just going to take the team and then basically take the account passwords, yeah. right? And then that'll be it, right? But it sounds like they're actually moving things. And the fact that organized play may not work, like, sounds like they're actually, like, resetting a bunch of things and, and doing strange things, right? So that gets me a little worried. I thought it was just going to happen magically behind the scenes. In fact, I thought... It already happened. Yeah. Like I thought Daybreak was already running things, right? So I don't know, right? Because we, we saw like more promos being added and stuff like, you know, like uh, cart, like, you know, in-demand cards being added. And we thought, oh, that's Daybreak, right? But maybe it wasn't Daybreak. Maybe that was just Watsy because apparently they haven't swapped everything over yet. But <laughs> there this, is this sounds incredibly scary. The process does sound scary, although there is some good news with what they're saying. Like, the their goals do sound good, like uh, multi-factor authentication. That's something people oh, have been yeah, asking for news. forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, automating the battlefield, like adding stuff like auto-tapper, auto-passing would be a nice little upgrade. We'll see. Some of this stuff is stuff that we've talked about for a long time. So when I see, like, in the next one to three years, I'm kind of like, eh, like, hopefully, like, that would be nice. But we'll see how quickly that stuff comes. But it does sound like... 
I'm not worried about Magic Online shutting down. It sounds like they do have a plan to like keep it going and moving forward. Little nervous of what the process of getting there is gonna <laughs> gonna look like though, and if all of our cards and tickets will will make it through this transition. So yeah. hopefully it's daybreak being super cautious and like after 24 hours everything's back to normal and they're yeah. just you know laying the land so like no one no one gets upset, but. You know, maybe something goes wrong and you can't play your modern league for two weeks, right? I don't know, right? Or maybe bots don't work for a while, right? Um, Let, so let's just hope it's that. only that, not... Because <laughs> I, I I don't know, this feels like one of those scary things where something can get lost, like just accidentally break it's like, oops, we deleted yep. all of your collection and as cop, oh. here's three packs on Arena. Yeah, yeah oh my, <laughs> get some play, some play points. Yeah, here's, some play points. <laughs> here are... T- 10 tickets your next draft is on us. <laughs> Do you think the redemption thing matters, Richard? That was my other question on this. So, like, Wizard started redemption, where you can trade digital cards if you have a complete set for physical cards way back in 2002 to try to make people safe, uh, feel safe investing in digital digital cards back in an era where that wasn't common. Um, but it's slowly been kind of minimized over the years. The price goes up. The number of sets that are redeemable keeps going down. The time shortens. Is Redemption actually, like, doing anything to keep Magic Online afloat in 2022? Or is the world just so different that it's it's kind of just a relic from the past? And if it went away completely, it wouldn't actually make a big difference. I mean, I think it has implications to the paper economy. I don't know what implications those are. <laughs> but, like, people used to redeem sets. Like, they would buy yeah. Moto cards, redeem sets, and then sell them, right? So... That will affect tabletop prices, and it will also affect the floor of moto prices, right? Because if standard gets too cheap, you just buy it all and then redeem it, right? So now, in a world without redemption, your standard cards could literally go to zero. Um, Just like basically all the non-standard cards that are like not playable in Legacy or whatever, right? They go to zero. So I think moto will become cheaper. Um, But I, I don't think people will sell out their collection because now they can't cash out anymore, right? I, I don't think that's a thing. I think in 2022, yeah. we are very experienced in paying for software and services and not expecting any physical product. Um, so, but yeah, I, like I wonder what this does to paper magic because Set Redemptions was a good source for like single retailers and people want to complete sets and stuff like that, so... Yeah, I think it could have an impact, especially with uh, with like complete foil sets, which foils have gotten a little bit more common thanks to collector boosters. So maybe it won't matter as much as it would a few years ago. But I think that was like a meaningful source of supply where you would have big stores who would redeem sets, uh, tens, twenties, hundreds of them. Just like that was a huge supply of, uh, of stuff. And I think that's not going to happen anymore. You still can redeem. It didn't go away. But the price is so high now. They're not combining shipping anymore, which is a huge deal if you're someone who runs a store and wants to redeem 100 sets, having to pay $10 100 times instead of just $10 once. That's a big change. So I think we're going to see a lot less redemption. But hopefully that makes prices, like you said, cheaper, which maybe that's a good thing overall. Like the cheaper standard is for players on Magic Online, the better for players. So maybe that'll be an upside. But well, can you still redeem brothers war brother sets yes yes you still can according to what uh, until supply runs out (laughs) so so (laughs) yes they're still at it they're still adding new sets. it used to be redemption used to be a guaranteed date like nine months in the future or something like until this date you can redeem a set we'll print a new one for you if we have to they're changing it so they're gonna have x number of sets we don't know that number of each set and once those sets are gone redemption's over with and increasing the price along the way. But yeah, Brothers War, Dominator United, you still can redeem them. It's just becoming less appealing and probably less of those sets to be redeemed because of the new change. We don't know what the number is, but I'm guessing the number is not going to be as high as the guaranteed redemption date. But anyway, keep that in mind. This big change is coming. If you want to take a screen cap of your Moto account or return your loan orders or whatever, might not be a bad idea before uh, before the big migration in a, in a few days. So anyway... We got one more topic, and I don't think we're going to get into this nearly as deep as we thought because we actually <laughs> spent a lot of time talking about other stuff. But there was an article by Mark Rosewater uh, 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago now, called 20 Things That Were Going to Kill Magic. This is a list of 20 things, uh, introducing 60-card decks in four-card uh, in four card limits to those decks. The banned and restricted list, starting standard, uh, Nail of Fanny Dragon, the, the promo that was given away at a convention everyone got mad about, Chronicles, a reserve list, P 
pitch cards like Force of Will, premium cards, uh, foils, six edition rule changes, Magic Online, eighth edition card frame, the, the white border and the changes to the border, evergreen keyword reminder text, planeswalkers, mythic rares, lands and boosters, uh, M20 or M10 rule changes, the new world order, double face cards, organized play changes, and the new slivers in Magic 2014, which that one still people complain about. That one almost really did kill Magic, those humanoid uh, slivers from <laughs> from M14. But my question for all of you, this was 10 years ago. Let's say we wanted to add to this list. Uh, you know, we just got Magic 30, which has been a huge conversation. People, you know, I'm done. I'm going to only play proxies. I'm quitting the game. I think you could argue that Magic 30, if Mark Rosewater was writing this list today, uh, the 30th anniversary set would probably be on this list of things that people said were going to kill Magic. What else in the last 10 years-ish from 2013 to today do you think would be on this list of things that we're going to quote unquote kill magic? Obviously, none of these things actually killed magic. So that's the good news because the game's still going and making more money than ever. But what else do you think would be on this list from more recent times? All right, I'll start with a spicy one. Okay. I think the focus on commander and making commander specific cards is going to kill magic. I think Commander will reach a point where people no longer want to play Magic, and then that'll be that. Uh, I think the insane power creep we see in Commander is causing people to actually have to play serious Magic. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole point of casual Magic is you just play whatever you want, and it's fine. But if people are slapping down, like, turn two combo kills and stuff, you need to play removal, you need to play interaction, you need to play a real curve, you need to have a good mana base, and then now you're just playing weird spike magic with like four people in politics <laughs> and i don't think that's where we want to be um so i think like commander players will be pushed out eventually with this focus like with every dranith magistrate they they make or every like unanswerable commander like you you push us closer to run more answers and then everyone's deck will be like 40 answers like two win cons and ramp and card draw which is like how spikes play right and i think that will be That'll be the the it. That'll be end of commander at that point. It's funny because that you bring it that. got too spiky, too spiky, like the, too much power, right? And the only way to deal with this power is you need to apply spike principles, right? And then you're just playing a spike format now instead of a casual format. I think it's interesting you bring that up because we have a commander clash coming up. I think next Friday, featuring uh, 2011, the original commander precondex, and. It was pretty interesting to see how different they were from today. The mana bases were horrible. They were There was almost no removal, very minimal removal. Tons of just huge Timmy threats, super duper ultra casual cards that you'd see and you'd be like, oh, that's like definitely not the most efficient way, even back in 2011 to like blow up an artifact, <laughs> but it would be in the deck. I feel like there's been this huge, huge shift uh, in, the, in those last 10 years. And I think that's really true. How where that ends up, I'm not 100% sure. Does this actually lead to Commander disappearing? I do think that Commander is maybe at its peak right now, and I'm not sure that Commander will always be all of Magic or the most important format of Magic. I think this stuff, it ebbs and flows. Uh, maybe 60-card formats come back or whatever. So I don't think Commander is going to kill Magic, but I do think it's at a peak right now, and I do think the, the constant push to optimize into power creep it's going to start making the format less fun. Eventually, people are going to be like, well, why don't I just like play Legacy or Modern or something if I got to do all this work and optimization to actually be able to play Commander? So I think there's there's a good point there. But what do you think, Grim? Is, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't... I feel like Commander is just... Maybe I'm still like a bit hopeful here, and, and it's the positivity in me, but... I feel like Commander is just such a wide format that it kind of, even though there can be more power, it does self-regulate itself, right, within its own playgroups. So that's true. What, like, I, I think we aren't accounting for the people that don't even listen to or see any content at all, right? We're, we're like those people are out there that are just like strictly, hey, it's you know me and my friends this Friday. I don't even know that there's content creators for magic, right? I'm just going to play magic with some friends. And even though more powerful things come out and like we come out with these tier lists and all these other things, at the end of the day, those people don't care and they're going to just play whatever they play. And 
I think that's a big majority that's probably not being accounted into this. So as long as those people are there, there will always be some form of a commander, right? Because commander can be whatever you want it to be. And that's why I think commander can outlast uh, the absurd amount of, you know, balances, imbalances and things like that. Because at the end of the day, it's whatever you and your playgroup want it to be, which is... the most pure form of magic, right? Like that's what people love when they look at magic. They, that's how they're able to celebrate all of magic. They could play whatever they want within their own groups. I thought the <clears> way <throat> we celebrated magic was with thousand dollar proxies, though. Close, <laughs> close. That's only Nothing. for special occasions. <laughs> yeah, it's like breaking out the fine wine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> all right, I I got a good one because I I know this one was gonna kill magic, and it, it still might because we're going even further down this path. But that is universes beyond. I think one of the one of the biggest ones and one of the biggest outroars that you saw from the community with a product announcement was Walking Dead Secret Lair drop. There were so many people that were like, I'm done. I'm selling my collection. How many of those people actually did that? Eh, I don't know. But I doubt it. <laughs> we used to joke about, you know, attacking with a can of Mountain Dew, equipped to your Chevrolet with all this product placement and so forth. Like, it's happening. Like, we really we were just talking about attacking with Post Malone, being equipped with something <laughs> from Warhammer and then like overrunning with a Fortnite dance or something like that is the world we're living in. Um. The good news is, I guess, that Magic keeps making more and more money. But I do think that all of these IPs going into Magic, is it going to kill Magic like the game doesn't exist? No. But I do think it might kill the version of Magic that existed for, like, the first 25 years of Magic that people were used to. I think we're, we're shifting to Magic being, like, a rules engine for a whole bunch of different IPs rather than necessarily being a, a game that's more about its own story and flavor. So... I don't know. What do you think? How about Universes Beyond? Is that is that the one that kills magic? I I, I think I'm just full of optimism or, or maybe <laughs> it's hot takes, but I think it's going to be a huge benefit to magic. Um, you're right. It will it will change magic. I think uh, like it will change the magic that, you know, like and that we all know and have loved for quite some time. But is that change a bad thing? I don't think so, because the, some of the key things, example, I've always loved magic for its art. With secret layers, the different borders. I know we joke about it. I myself get lost in it. Uh, but it follows like the formula that I love within Pokemon when it comes to collectability and just the casual pack opening. I find it way more fun now to open a magic pack than I did in like 2010. Uh, because there's all these, it's like Pokemon has so many different art styles within it. it has 3d it has you know the classic cartoony it has just the wildest things like every pokemon set has no consistent art it looks like just secret layers all the time and i love that in collecting pokemon i don't know about story wise because i've always felt like magic story is paper thin and can kind of be pushed and pulled in any direction right um, the fantasy element still there. Like we're looking at new franchises that could bring in new gamers, like the Warhammer crowd. That's already like you already see that happening. I don't know what the numbers are in Fortnite, but I imagine Lord of the Rings will be popular. I don't know how or if it's just a secret layer or a full universe is beyond set, but the Final Fantasy stuff. So I like where this is going, and maybe that's just because I am. I like I like these kind of things. It's like a Super Smash Bros of card games. Yep, I think I agree with Krim. I think Universes Beyond <clears throat> helps Magic more than it hurts Magic. It's probably keeping it afloat. Now I think it is better yeah. if they actually had their own IP and their IP was just as successful as their Universes Beyond. But like Krim said, they, they they've had twenty five years or whatever. They can't do it, right? Like they're unable to <laughs> put together a cohesive story. But like suspension of disbelief like we, we have like you have a toski equipped with the colossus hammer <laughs> blocking an emrakul or something like it's not that weird right that you have fortnite people running around in your game like you have like battle bond athletes or whatever like fighting on the same plane as innistrad vampires right it's magic is weird it's fine so i think it's an adjustment period people get used to it um and then I think in five years, we're not going to talk about this again. It reminds me of like the Moto versus Arena when Arena first came out and all the old time Moto players were very upset about Arena. And then yeah. just rightfully so, right? It was a big transition. But like we look back, we're like, oh, how ridiculous, right? I think at some point we're going to look back and we're like, how ridiculous that you don't have Gandalf in your game, right? Like, you know, like so 
I think I think if it actually helps. I, I I don't think it hurts, but you know I could be wrong. Like maybe everyone is a diehard Urza fan, and we all boycott Magic for the next five years. <laughs> I I guess it is true that Wizards had twenty five years to come up with their own stories, and uh, that led to like the Jastis League, and mostly just ripping off other IPs anyway. <laughs> They're like, oh, we can do end games. Yeah, that'll that'll be sweet. So maybe it's better if we just actually use other IPs. So yeah, they, they right. like they had War of the Spark, which it literally felt like Avengers <laughs> yeah. end game. So I was like. Oh, okay. I love this. Uh, all right, Grim. What is something that, from the last few years, that, that could have killed magic or will kill magic? Do you, you got anything for us? Honestly, the one thing that I think that would kill magic, or at least um, the fun of playing 60-card formats, is their lack of willingness to, uh, like, to match. Like, okay, they... Let, let me re- reiterate here. So, um... They're willing to experiment and make really powerful cards, right? Uh, I won't say any specific sets, but uh, Eldraine. So, uh, like, they're they're willing to make uh, really absurdly powerful sets, but they aren't. They're like like they they had alchemy, but they're not willing to attempt. They're not aggressively banning. They're still too scared to ban things, face cards, things like that. I think that's something that will kill sixty card magic is if they keep pushing these absurdly powerful cards which i love i think it's fun it's great that they're trying these things out but if you're going to try these out you have to be able to ban them immediately and i'm I'm not talking about waiting seven sets and then banning it on the way out of its rotation life i mean like uh, like two months into the set if it's like just oko fest 69 420 then i don't want to deal with it anymore i i think you should aggressively be banning and that's what i thought alchemy would have been but they didn't do it no, that you just get your uh, your draft comments slightly powered up mostly. Right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll take it a step further and wonder like could power creep just kill 60 card format? Something you brought up earlier in the cast that was interesting, Richard, is you felt like standard actually let you play magic and none of the other formats really did. And that's something I've been feeling, not every game, but in some matchups in specific that happen kind of a lot in older formats where it's kind of like a mulligan simulator and it's just like, oh, like I try to find my nut drawer, my sideboard, and you do the same thing. And then whoever, you know, mulligans into the best hand ends up winning. Do you think that the power creep and the snowballiness of of recent designs, like, could that end up just killing not magic as the as a whole, but killing sixty card formats, or has it already? I I do think that the power creep has definitely uh, been a little bit miserable uh, in some some sense, just because you look at Liliana of the Veil. I think she is a prime indicator of what a great planeswalker is, right? <clears throat> not exactly like like it, there's a decision to every mode. It's not an auto win when it hits. And you look at a lot of the threats that are in the standard right now. It's not like, oh, I play it, I win the game, and they all snowball out of control. Um, and you make decisions. So Richard's right. Like, I, like that was some of the stuff that I loved before, right? Like inching out every bit of advantage, one for oneing, and like, oh, I have more card advantage than you. That's great. You know, like that should be how the games go. A lot of back and forth, which I'm feeling right now. Whereas like before, I was like, I play Oko, I, I or I play Uro, I play you know X Y Z, and I just do this over and over and over. And any one of these cards, every card, is an Avengers level threat. Uh, and I think that was a, a kind of a miserable standard. And now, after playing this standard, I'm reminded of how fun standard used to be when you made decisions. So, <laughs> power creep is good. I want that. I want that for the game, but also be aggressive. That's why I think they should be aggressive with banning, right? If it is absurd, um, like I, I don't know. I, maybe that's just me, but like I don't, I don't want us to either, to go back to an Ixalan set either. Though that might have been one of the most miserable sets of standard I've ever played, but not because of power creep, but because nothing felt powerful. Yeah. So I, I wish they prioritized like the health of standard over money. Like, in the Meat Hook Massacre banning, they basically said, this card's really good, and it's been a year, so we can ban it now. Right? They, they essentially, like, just gave away their strategy, which is, like, if a card is really good, we need to sell all the packs we can, and then we can ban it. Right? And, you know, it's a meme where we're like, oh, they can't ban Oko because it's, it's the face card or Narset or whatever. Right? Like, I wish they would just eat the bullet and, like, the long-term health of the format and whatever is like more important than whatever packs you sell. 
right? So I think they still prioritize not banning like Chase Mythics, like Modern Horizons 2, Companions, whatever, right? Like just like, you know, ban it, right? Like, yeah, you made a mistake, just ban it. I think Hogak is the only one they actually did that. And was Hogak even the face of Modern Horizons, right? Oh, that was a, they thought it was a commander card. It was like a random, just <laughs> random rare that broke everything. Yeah. <laughs> casual card in Hogak yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely agree that the banning things more frequently or more aggressively is probably, especially if you're going to just keep printing really powerful stuff, is definitely going to be a necessity. But all right, Richard, we got, we got a couple minutes. Lightning round. What, anything else? What else was going to kill Magic? Organized play. Is the MPL <laughs> is the death of hardcore fans, right? Like, I am so sad that now I play so much standard. I I would totally watch like seventy two hours of standard like organized play, and it does not exist. It was alchemy for some reason, but like part of the allure is like there is some higher level of gameplay that we can all aspire to, and maybe where you don't all play like that, but you can at least watch it and know it's like legitimized, right? And I feel. That's gone. And I I really think that propped up the first 20 years of Magic, right? And given today's games, I don't think the idea of organized play is bad, right? Like, you know, all esports are actually video games, right? And people play the video games and they like watching professional players play, right? So I think that concept still holds. So I don't know why Wizards has decided to kill this, even though it kept their game relevant and afloat for 20 years or whatever, right? So it really confuses me why organized play is going. And, you know, if Commander collapses, then there's nothing to watch anymore, right? Like, you know, like like organized play was always the fallback. We can watch some pro Magic play. Like these, these nerds that have nothing to do, they spent all their time playing Magic. We can see what they do. And then, you know, we can see how fun it is or what they're doing. But that, that's gone, right? So I don't know. I feel this I'm- will shoot them in the long run. Fingers crossed that uh, the dream's not fully dead. I'm hopeful. I, I'm still maintaining hope. We know we got Paper Pro Tours coming the beginning of the year. The early signs have not been super great with what we saw from like the first Arena Pro Tour or the qualifiers or the criticism. So it hasn't gone off to a smooth start, but I'm still holding out hope that this will that this will turn around. And we've seen signs of life at least compared to a year ago when. I didn't know we'd ever have a paper pro tour again. I thought it might just be completely dead. At least in the last year, Huey's there now, like running stuff. We know there's paper pro tour. So I'm not ready to give up on it yet. Although I do think you're right that it, it does matter quite a bit to give people that something to attain for. And I think it kind of piggybacks on your commander thing. If we get to the point where people are like, start to drop out of commander, where are they going to go? Like you need, you need someplace else to go rather than just shifting to another game. So I think there is like value to having that, but (laughs) I'm still hoping that OP makes a, a bit of a comeback. Probably irrationally, <laughs> irrationally optimistic about it, but I'm I'm gonna hold out hope. I, I'm sorry. I I I, I love like you know playing it. You know, like I mean, like playing competitive Magic. But is the the demographic of that big enough to where that would really kill Magic because of the lack of a competitive scene? I, I don't. I mean, being in the circles and whatnot and being, like, playing competitive and whatnot, obviously, I, I felt close to it at a point, right? But, like, when you actually think about the grand scope of Magic, I think that's actually a small demographic, the competitive side of it. So, uh, the, the I, I think all that matters is as long as they have some big form of a casual Magic uh, a, like a format, they'll be fine. So, as long as Commander doesn't, like, like after Commander... I promise you, like, if it just doesn't feel like there'd be, I don't know, that big of a. It's like the competitive scene is like not that big. When there, you there, there's the no event in which players. we could all gather as a community, and watch or like participate, so to speak, right? So maybe it's not competitive 60 card format but maybe if we all just gathered and watched post malone play magic together i don't know what it would be right but kind of that you know like world cup super bowl like that cohesive like once a year like if you're a fan of this thing everyone comes together everyone celebrates the same thing everyone just knows each other just because they're in like the same hobby like we we lost that with the loss of pro tours right and i guess it's now watching command zone videos i don't know what it is right like we don't have that anymore 
so yeah, I there. think maybe maybe Krim is right. Maybe it's not spike magic, but at least like some grand event. Maybe it's Magic Thirty. I don't know what it is, right? But Magic Thirty is so exclusive, and there's so few people that can be there, right? Like we need an actual global online meetup type of thing. There was definitely something special about like the pro tours or even the first mythic invitational where you had like a hundred thousand people, 50,000 people all watching magic social media. That's all people are talking about. You're just getting these random tweets about, well, I think that was a punt or what an amazing top deck that was it, without any context wouldn't even make any sense, but the bringing the entire community together like that. So I, I think I agree with Richard that it doesn't have to be spiky, but I do think that those gatherings uh, are it's magic. The gathering that those bringing the community together events are, important and maybe some of that is also on the pandemic too because we got to remember the last couple two or three years have been taking place within the context of the pandemic where it's it's hard to gather it's been very hard to gather so maybe we'll see a shift for the positive there too but we're running long oh go ahead grim we do need some big event i do agree there but i just don't think it lies in competitive we're running long but i got one more i just got to throw out there because i think this is the thing that if if something kills magic, this is the thing I think it will be. And that is uh, Hasbro milking the, the wizard's cow dry, essentially. <laughs> like, we have had, what, a few years ago, they were going to double wizard's profits in the next five years. And they hit that goal earlier than they expected. And then the next thing they say is, well, we're going to do it again in the next three years. Profits going up 50%. The constant push to make more and more money and more and more products Um that's something that actually kind of scares me because I worry that Wizards, as much as the the Atla Fox thing, I thought it was a little weird with the whole hedge fund aspect of it. There is some truth to the idea that Wizards and Magic is doing really, really well. And the rest of Hasbro is like a dying, outdated game company that no one cares about. And we as the Magic community and Wizards as a subsidiary of Hasbro has to kind of support the whole company. So that scares me the the fact that hasbro just is very dependent on our money and wizards getting our money to keep their company afloat and who knows what they would do next if they if things are not looking good and you know for the next quarter or their stock price or whatever so to me that's the thing that scares me that hasbro goes too far and actually just like pushes it over the edge to the point where people just actually check out of the game i just googled post malone's net worth uh, it's forty-five million. <laughs> Ooh, Wizards Magic brand. I think they they quoted as one billion dollars. Uh, I was year. hoping for a world in which Post Malone <laughs> buys out Magic and saves it, but he he needs to sell a lot more albums yeah. <laughs> to, to get there. I I would agree. I mean, I mean, part of it is being a public company. Every year, you're expected to grow like X percent, right? I think the thing that people have are concerned about is Hasbro saw a lot of growth during pandemic uh, because people got, you know, free money from the government and then they just bought collectibles for the heck of it. And then they're trying to keep this growth throughout post pandemic where there's no longer free money into arguably a recession. And to do it, they're doing questionable things like, yeah, they're trying to increase profit 50 percent. They're also having a massive round of layoffs like that doesn't seem to compute. Right. Uh, They're also you know, $1,000 reserveless gold border cards. Like, that doesn't seem to compute, right? So it's a little suspicious. I don't, I don't know, but maybe you could argue that without Hasbro's backing, Wizards wouldn't be here today. I like, think that's Maybe true. their access to Lord of the Rings and Warhammer, I guess Warhammer's a Wizards thing, but, you know, like all this universes beyond crossover is thanks to Hasbro's power in the game, right? I don't know. I wonder I wonder if it's like the reserve list where Hasbro probably was necessary like 20 years ago and it probably kept magic afloat but at this point is it still still a positive at this point and that then I'm not so sure if Hasbro is actually like a positive for magic and for wizards or not I also wonder how much Hasbro has to blame for this we always just blame Hasbro but maybe like everything is happening inside Watsy Yeah Right, like, like nothing has to do, like, maybe, you know, like we're like, oh, Mark Rosewater's innocent, but maybe like, you know, whoever the top CEO equivalent person of Wizards is is actually making all these decisions. Hasbro's like, I have nothing. To, I don't know anything about magic cards, right? Just do your thing, and they're just going nuts because they want to. So I'm not even sure Hasbro is 
to blame for I, this. <laughs> although it's definitely Hasbro that keeps coming out and saying, we're going to double Wizards profit in three years or five years or whatever. So it could be that Hasbro's like setting these goals. Like, hey, Watsy people, like we want you to have double the profits. And then Wizards is doing what they have to do to try to, <laughs> to try to hit those goals. Anyway. Any any other final thoughts? A little bit of a longer podcast. Any other final thoughts on anything before we wrap it up for today? All right. So uh, we didn't get to fish mail. It was a long one, but I promise we will eventually. It's going to happen one of these weeks. Richard, if people want to get any questions for the future, how do they uh, how do they do that? All right. Let us know what will kill magic <laughs> from the past five years <laughs> by tagging us at MTG Goldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail. And we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 403 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.